Good morning and welcome. You're listening to B-Side Morning Brew with Beige and Niles. Hot coffee, cool chatting, chilling on the corner of Lifestyle Ave and Music Street on 91.5 KUNV Jazz and More. Eso nada. Sonido. Eso nada. ¿Cuál es tu amigo? Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Good morning, man. Good morning, everybody. Yes. Okay. We always do that. Yeah, you lead it. You lead it. It's funny. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, my brother. How you doing, man? Top of the morning to you, my friend. It's got the morning voice going. (laughs) It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Let's start with our sip of coffee. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. Man, I want to get right into this. You and I have some great topics today this morning to discuss about the music trade, things we've been kind of just naturally in conversation been going over over the phone over the last couple of weeks, I'd say. And like, we realize this is some nice content for the show. First of all, man, you just played on the Diana Krall concert in uh, Hollywood, right? The Hollywood Bowl. How'd that go? You know, it's always great to play there. Sold out crowd. We uh, revisited an album, uh, Clayton Hamilton Jazz Orchestra was backing her up uh we revisited an album that we did with her probably back in 2007 2008 from this moment on john clayton arrangements featuring diana crawl yeah it was uh we debuted that music of the album in las vegas really at the old las vegas hilton back then you're Uh, talking about back then back then yeah yeah, when uh the room that barry manilow plays in now which is now the westgate hotel that's right wow man uh, wow so we revisited that music sold out crowd and uh, fantastic night of music always great to play that stuff so and good to see her you know at that time she had just had her twins and now Mm -hmm. they're 16 years old I don't know if I I don't know if a lot of people realize that also that she's married to the great Elvis Costello that's right. Well, you're a fan of, of Elvis, I know. And, I uh, am, yeah. And uh, so he's a great guy. He was hanging out with us, had a chance to have dinner with him and everything. And that uh, is to see cool. That. Yeah. Uh, and get a taste of kind of what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to pull back the veil, as it were. Yeah, man. Well, the music industry. And people don't realize, <laughs> I mean, we're, we, we, we have convergent careers, as it were, in the music mm-hmm. industry. We, they're convergent and divergent both at the same time. And, yeah yeah and and many different aspects of the music industry well we've been through because of our genre, the genres of music that we've we've performed in. yeah so. well case in point even with diana craw i mean i didn't see anywhere on the marquee that it was featuring the clayton hamilton jazz orchestra and you realize yeah i asked you about that and we we're talking about the politics of that you know just mm-hmm. you realize part of that is a lot, you know, her crowd, I consider her crowd more of a pop audience, let's say, not not a heavy, there's a lot of heavy jazz listeners, don't get me sure. wrong, I understand Absolutely. that, but I would say she's more of a household name, right? So as a result, I can imagine because of her audience, I'd probably say a good 60, 70% of that is more on the, I say pop, but you know what I mean, more, that's not a, maybe a heavy jazz head. Mainstream. Um, mainstream, mainstream there you go. Yeah. And then, so I imagine that part of that is, you know, the, the powers that be at the label or what have you are just, they're not going to put the, you know, a lot of people would not know who Clayton Hamilton Jazz Orchestra are. That That's may part be, of it. You know. That's part of it. But I also think, I mean, it's, it was part of the jazz series at the Hollywood Bowl. So that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, you're going to have jazzers, as it mm-hmm. were, in the audience. Yep. There's a whole host of <laughs> things that, that <laughs> go along with that. 
but that it's that thing where you realize that um well part of this is what you and i've talked about in terms of the difference between let's say the genre of jazz and the genre and other genres right we're talking about between jazz and classical music how it's very musician driven in terms of um internally and in terms of the audience uh i would say whereas on the pop side or the mainstream audiences don't they're not necessarily thinking too much about who played on what, you know, even though there's great musicians that have played on some of the biggest albums and some of the biggest artists that they've ever heard of. I find that interesting where, you know, you know, my frustration in the jazz idiom Absolutely. that what was it? You know, we had a friend recently who played on our album, post our songs separately on his posts. <laughs> I <laughs> called you had laughed because I was saying, I'm like, man, this is this is this is what I'm talking about. In that, all the comments he received was about the performance of the instrument. No one said, "Oh, that's a cool song. That's a great song," or "or it's a bad song." You know, it was right. like, "Why why are you playing on that song? It's horrible." There was none of that. It was just, "Man, great playing. You know, great work that you're doing." And then I took offense to that because I'm a writer. You know, what I mean, I'm an artist. But then when when that same musician did that with your song i thought when i saw that post that more people would at least acknowledge your song because it's more jazz driven obviously right but no nope same thing and i thought to myself this is a real shame you know where you come from both spectrums you come from the, mu the music trade in that you yep. get hired to do many different uh, gigs whether it's recording live what have you but you're also an artist you you kind of walked between both worlds. Now I imagine you have more of an understanding where my frustrations Absolutely. come from in that, like, what is going on? Where how do you not <laughs> acknowledge yeah. the song you wrote or recorded? Well, I think I, I you bring up a good point in that jazz in and of itself is really just classical music. Mm -hmm. It's it's a set of repertoire that was made popular through black Americans taking that music and applying improvisation and jazz theory and different types of harmonies to it. And so it's kind of, you know, like one of the big pet peeves we have is, you know, when we do our series, we don't, we don't book people that are just going to come out and play jazz standards on, on their set. Right. Because, because that to me, is just like playing Beethoven for an orchestra. Right. Everyone plays it all the time. There's only so many different ways you can play it the same too yeah. and same thing with vocalists that do these jazz standards that have lyrics the tribute the, the tribute same, artists tribute, yeah right it's the yeah. same you know what are we talking about here so which is you know which is fine so so now what you see in the jazz idiom is now it's being not only become getting away from calling it jazz but you know black american music or just music you know we're you know yeah the many quotes that you've sent me from Ellington and, and Miles, Miles Davis and, and Coltrane, I mean, and, and you know, Coltrane for that. Yeah, exactly. I'm just making good music. Mm -hmm. I, they I'm hated not call, the I'm not calling. Yeah, I'm not calling it anything. And in fact, jazz at that time was derogatory for a lot of African Americans because it had been appropriated in the European tradition and made into something that or quantified in that way. And it took the creativity out of it. So mm -hmm. yeah. it wasn't allowed to evolve. It was stagnant. Which is, which is disheartening. And then you have the other side of that 
in terms of the extreme opposite where you have let's you know my favorite artists are guys like sting and peter gabriel and whether it was like phil collins was just amazing songwriter all those kind of guys were just like just hit after hit after hit and some of the best players in the world that played on all those records whether you have bass players like lee scalar or you know uh tony levin i mean man you had a guitar player you had um, steve lukather who started yeah. toto right yeah. started toto yeah. Yeah. james Taylor was a james taylor guitar player made the whole michael jackson song the yeah. greatest solo in terms of the most melodic and remembered so on that flip side no one really knew who they were unless you were a musician we knew because we were looking at the liner notes on the album and we would you know God, I don't want to be as good as that player, this and that, which is great. But the listeners didn't care. They were they were, they cared about a great song. They don't know why the song is great. And there's something to that I love also. You don't need to dissect it. And yet I wish there was this happy medium. Do you know what I mean? It's like on the jazz side, everybody just thinks about the musicians and not the art and the song that's being that was written or being written or being recorded. And on the flip side, in the pop or mainstream world, no one cares about about the musicians. They just care about the song. Well, I mean, you know, who do we really blame for that? Do we blame the artists or do we blame the industry? You know, which I tries don't to know. quantify quantify the art in such a way that it can be marketed and consumed by the average non-musician, right? The people that are buying it, you know. I think we should jump into a song. So we're going to, uh, I think we're going to play Introscope off my uh, EP, uh, Departure. You know, this is a track, actually, that the, the Cats, during the session, was the last track we recorded, and we recorded it in one take yep. after we figured everything out. Yeah. And it's, to me, it is the epitome of what it is to come together as a, as a group and bring the ultimate sound and presentation to a song well you know i want to bring to this before you make the final introduction and we get into this tune during that moment when you guys were working out the last bits of this song i remember going from the control room into the into the the, the studio face or tom lure sax mm -hmm. player one of the sax players on he was coming up with this piano idea he was on the piano. And the mm -hmm. reason I went into the room was because I heard it was a Radiohead movement, mm -hmm. what Radiohead would do. And I thought, wait a minute. I forgot Face is very much into also my style of music, the pop and the alternative and the indie rock and things mm -hmm. like that. And, you know, he's one of, I think, one of the best jazz and saxophone players out there, but he comes from a very eclectic musical background. And the cool thing is you guys kept that in, but now I don't hear it. And that's the beauty of being inspired by different genres of music in our world and bringing it in and cross-pollinizing. And even me who really knows that and knows that melody or knows that piano piece, I don't hear it at all anymore in your tune. And that's amazing. That's the beauty of music, even though there's only a handful of chords we can pull from, you know. That's great, man. Well, then let's check out Introscope then uh, off my uh, Departure EP. You're listening to it here on 91.5 KUNV Jazz and More.
Welcome back to B-Side Morning Brew with Bijan Niles. You are listening to Bijan's new song off his EP, Departure, song entitled Introscope. Man, again, great tune. It's just amazing how that whole thing came together in the studio. And I know every nuance of that song because me and Rob mixed it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say I've heard it enough, but man, yeah. great tune. Yeah, take a break. Yeah, yeah. It's great to come back to it with fresh ears after you listen to it for some Yeah. Time. Well, because now you can listen to it with a, a radio-friendly ear and not a, dice, right. you know, uh, trying to dissect the tune. Yeah, man. Luckily, with that tune and that EP, you know, um, we want to bring up something very near and dear to our hearts is that we just found out a few days ago, uh, about a week ago, I want to say that, uh, you know, John Nashen passed away, DJ at KUNV for years and years. And I found out about it. It really hit me. You know what I mean? And just what a great guy and what an honor to have met him and be around him on so many levels, you know. He was always so supportive of us and actually so instrumental in, in helping us forge our relationship with KUNV. Yeah. Very supportive of our concert series when we first started the Jazz Republic series. On MC the shows, would yeah. make sure he had us on our on his radio show to promote our shows. Really uh, was a constructive, gave us constructive advice about you know the music and the industry and the scene and and, and yeah, how to navigate yeah how to navigate, navigate the scene yeah introduced yep. us to people and yeah he, he um, was really a true music lover and, a, and an exceptional musician. He will be missed. You will be missed. I remember, uh, I remember, you know, to me, he was one of the old classic DJs until things change. And, you know, you, you can't say certain things on air or what have you. Mm -hmm. But I remember his whole, his whole thing kind of reminded me of like a Wolfman Jack. So those of you listening who are yeah. our age and all don't know who Wolfman Jack is, mm -hmm. but it was like, what would he say? He's like, here's a little John Nash. He was a little junk in your trunk, a little pep in your step, a little... <laughs> Pride in your stride, stride. <laughs> little glad you stride. stride. <laughs> and it was just classic radio DJ, you know what I mean? And and then he would just go into the tune and very cool, man. Yeah, very blessed yeah. to have known him. And and which actually leads me into um us also talking about from a DJ perspective, how radio has changed in terms of you know what they play, what they can and can't play. And how music is consumed, how music reaches the consumer. Yep. I mean, we grew up listening to radio stations, and that's how we would find out the new music that's being put out. Yeah. And I think that's why, too, today that, you know, look, our crowd and our age, and I know we, we do hit some younger audiences in terms of our music, and, you know, thankfully so. But for the most part, you know, our audience is not actively looking for new music, you know, I mean, we, we and I'm one of those. I'm one of those. I don't I'm not actively looking for new music. And I know there's some out there. Don't get me wrong. I, I understand. But as a result of that, when I'm on social media, I mean, I haven't even been putting on I, I put on stuff of me cycling and stuff now. I, I don't think it, I, you know, I don't know. I see a lot of cats putting stuff out there musically, and I don't think anybody really cares. I think music has unfortunately been a bit devalued because there's so much out there. I miss the gatekeepers of the of the uh, the record labels, you know. Absolutely. I really do. I really do. I mean, you know, in my, you know, my involvement in the music industry first, you know, first starting out before I was really considered could consider myself an artist, as it were, creating my own original music and bands and things. I mean, I was touring with people like Eric Benet and Carl Thomas and Ashanti and yeah, these pop R and B 
acts, you know, they had label deals and we'd play these festivals and we'd go in the studio and record these albums. I mean, I can, there's two albums I know for a fact that Eric Benet, I recorded with Eric Benet that have not seen the light of day and maybe will never see the light of day. Yeah. Because the label, the A&R guy decided, oh, we're not going to release this right now. Yep. And he didn't have the rights to it. So it's done. Yeah, there's pluses and minuses to that, too. Absolutely. You know, there's, there's you know absolutely. And that's the thing. But I would say the plus for me that in terms of the gatekeepers back in the day is that it was very much bottlenecked to, to be able to get in into the music trade as an artist or being signed as an artist, let's say, which is the road I was always taking. You know, I was never I never went down the road of, of wanting to be a session musician, a session player, you know, sure. yeah. And that doesn't mean anything other than when I was a kid, I just knew I wanted to be an artist. You know, Sting was my guy and I wanted to be the next Sting, essentially. And so that idea and all those years I worked hard at being signed and then ultimately getting signed when I was younger was the ultimate payoff for a minute. <laughs> and, then, right. and then my career didn't take off where I thought it would as a result of that. And there's other politics involved in that as well. And, and also um, my naivety of it, you know, especially then. But nowadays, and realizing, and realizing it takes a great deal of effort and energy and a team of people to keep that momentum going. It's the team of people. I mean, that's. I have a question for you. So, we've talked about this in terms of you know, it's like I can tell people all day long that I was signed by this, done this, and you know, I my songs have been on this you know movie or this TV show or this and that, and even our last record, getting some getting something from the, at least the recording academy, you know traveled the world i've got i've got to do a great many things i shouldn't be this way i shouldn't really badmouth my career but but in terms of even with your recent grammy win i remember the the grammy itself had a different maybe connotation to it a different something to it at one point this is in my head though so which can as you know me that could be very construed there's a lot going on in your head <laughs> um since you've gotten that honestly what it, what do you feel it's done for you if anything at all and what can you use it as even if it's a tool uh, something great on the resume let's say you as a session player as an example and even a educator in the in academia well as a session player it really hasn't really added much more to other than the fact i can charge a little bit more right um but as a session player i mean people know that what I do is what I do. So I'm getting called already for my skill set. As an artist, it definitely gets me in the door a lot easier to book things, you know, with the right. band. And from an education standpoint, because I am so involved in education, mm -hmm. uh, being able to speak about that level of the industry as a career resume building, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, achievement. Yeah. And talking about how I, how to get there or how I got there or how yep. my path took me there. And it's not for everyone, but people that know me know that that's always been a goal of mine was to win a Grammy. It's so. funny, man. It goes back to, and this actually is going to lead us into uh, a song I uh, recorded a long time ago, but it's the same thing that happened. This was, would have been about 13, 14, 15 years ago. So when you're talking about the Diana Krall album you did, yep. That at that time, 2008, 2009, 10, somewhere in there, I was I was signed with EMI, and I got introduced to a producer engineer named Carmen Rizzo. Now Carmen huh. um, is a uh, two-time Grammy nominee. Yeah, he was, he was working with Seal at the time, Coldplay, Alanis Morissette, Paul Oakenfold, all these you know really great 
names. I remember we had a conversation in the studio when, when I started working with them on that album. And he said, right. man, he goes, you take the, he's, I'll never forget. He says, you take the level you can get it. He goes, if you find out that you're getting played a lot in Istanbul, Turkey, and that's it, then you go to Turkey and you perform shows there. And that's it. You take that love wherever you It's really you can that get simple. Yep. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. you know, take a corner of the world, wherever it is, a little alleyway, and make it your own. And it will build from there, you know. That's what I loved about MySpace, by the way. For Oh, my God. That. Yeah. That was, that was great. The best platform for us artists. Amazing. To, to build relationships all over the world. Because you, you could literally tailor who yep. you wanted to connect yep. with in yep. what part of the world. That's it right. was absolutely brilliant. And you knew the metrics. You knew how many people were in France or wherever. You know, you could yep. pick anywhere in the world. It wouldn't matter. So this song we had recorded, at the time I was writing very, I say this now because I don't write as prolific as I once did, and I don't know why. I Maybe, I, I don't know if it's because I was traveling there and there was a lot going on in my life at the time. But anyway, this song we recorded together, and he brought in uh, the great keyboard player, Jamie Mahobrick, who... Uh, was playing with Seal also at that mm -hmm. time. James Taylor, James played with all sorts of major cats. So he's pretty much featured on this tune. It's called yeah, Out of the Vault. Out of the Vault. Out, out of the Vault. It's called uh, Breathing Space.
right, welcome back. You're listening to B-Side Morning Brew with Bijan Niles on 91.5 KUNV Jazz and More. That tune you were just listening to was Breathing Space, written by my main man, Niles Thomas. Man, that's super chill. That brings it back. We've got a lot of people to thank, though, so we're going to do that real quick. I mean, yeah. obviously, first and foremost, we want to thank KUNV Jazz and More for giving us a platform. High note roasters, of course, purveyors <laughs> of fantastic coffee. Our audience, our listeners, we'd like to thank you all for joining in, having your morning cup of brew with us. We look forward to sharing a lot more. We got a lot of cool stuff in the pipeline. Keep on listening. And if you're so inclined and you want to find out where we are in the world, what we're doing creatively, you can visit us at bijanwatson.com or nilesthomas.com. Well, good morning, everybody. Have a wonderful Sunday. You've been listening to B-Side Morning Brew with Beige and Niles. Chilling on the corner of Lifestyle Ave and Music Street on 91.5 KUNV Jazz and More.